coaching Calhoun, as you know, and uh, and uh, Jennifer Thompson was coached essentially by her husband. And so the fairest way to split that is is basically Susie is just the head coach, and that way she's not playing favorites. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So anyway, long story short, the reason that we didn't go for the win at the end with Calhoun is because she flat out told me I don't have it. Yeah. And so she she said based on how her second one looked and felt, she's like it's not there. And I would rather, you know, and I think hindsight being 2020, I would have liked to have put it on the bar, but you have to have lifter buy-in. And when the lifter thinks in their heart that they don't have it, then that in essence is, you know, it's a problem essentially. And so she felt like she didn't have it. And I think the worst part of it was, is we had that world record there teasing us. (laughs) So, so I think if, if breaking Kim Walford's world record wasn't there, I think she would have said, yeah, screw it. Let's just throw it on the bar because I can't lose second place. Yeah. But because the world record was there and she thought, you know what? I think I can go up the six kilos. I can't go up to ten and a half. Yeah. And, you know, or whatever. So so she was like, let's just go for the world record. I'm happy with taking second at my first Worlds. So and, anyway. And you know um, what? Um, you said it and it's true. 2020 hindsight. Before attempting that, that's a, that was a huge ask. After yeah. the third lift. You can look back and be like, oh, my God, you had four more kilos than you. But you don't know until you do it, right? And if the second one fell Exactly. You don't know until you do it. And, you know, and everything always looks better on video than it does live. This you know, true. so all these videos that we watch on YouTube, they're, they're, there's a quality that gets lost in the video. And so, anyway, things look faster on video than they do in, in real time. And it's true. It always does. Whenever I'm in yeah. the gym and I hit a lift, like, oh, that was pretty tough. And then I show people, like, dude, that wasn't you, Yeah, you're sandbagging it. I'm like, no, man, trust me. It's harder yeah. than the So list. anyway, I just wanted to tell you that in case that comes up in discussion. And Sam, actually, she came out on social media and said that, you know, in her Instagram story. And she told Susie, she's like, don't worry. I don't want anybody throwing you all under the bus or anything like that. She's like, I, I, I she essentially made the call because she was like, I don't feel like I have it. So let's just go ahead and get the world record. I'm happy to take second. Jen will go one, I'll go two, and you know yeah. we'll see about that. So anyway, like, and who plus like how old is she? Is she 27? Yeah, she's young. I mean, what's her birth date, man? I'm, I got because I printed out the results in front of me. Yeah, she was born in 1990. Yeah, so, so she's she's super young. So she's yeah. got plenty of time in terms of oh, yeah winning worlds, etc. Tons of time, exactly. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so we could do the men's, and I guess we could go division by division, kind of like we did for the preview. Uh, yeah. The 59 kilo, though, quite honestly, it was just a Fedoshenko show. Nobody yeah. can push him. Nobody can right. test him. He could do whatever he wants. Exactly. And that's what it is. He's going to yeah. need – is there any juniors, like the Laco brothers, but they're smaller, quite a bit younger. they got a lot of catching up to maybe do. They yeah. do. I mean, it was it was kind of cool that Dalton at fifty three pulled five times body weight and hit yeah. that deadlift. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Sergey was like, you know what? I'll take that back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, later in the week. But yeah, I don't know that there's. I mean, there's nobody on our end that's in that league. I mean, he's in a whole other galaxy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, I think also in those really really light classes. You, you, because those classes tend to be outlier classes anyway. You know what I mean? It's like Fedosienko is one of those generational type lifters where, you know, uh, that's why I say we don't have anybody that's going to come up who can squat, bench, and deadlift with him. I mean, 
Dalton can deadlift with him, but that's about it. That's where the yeah. conversation ends. So anyway. Just for anyone who's listening, we cut in real quick. Um, I got Matt Gary, head of the U.S. coaching staff uh, for today's show. And um, so we got moving on from there, 59, we got 66. And Sergey Gladkick, for two years straight at the World Championships, never missed a single lift, literally Mr. Perfect. When I was on the World Broadcast there, I was saying, here's Mr. Perfect. The guy's flawless at the World Championships. And then for the first time when he missed his last squat, that was the first miss in three years. And it was like, oh, my God, today could be the day. For a long time, guys were talking about Gladkick, not like a fetishenko, but certainly a head and shoulders leader of the pack and a heavy favorite. And then uh, Charles coming in here, I mean, I knew he was good. I didn't know he was that good. I mean, he was he was on fire that day, and went to yeah. that with him. Um, was that one of the more surprising wins for you, or what were you thinking? I mean, to, well, to be honest with you, I mean, I thought that I, I thought that we had a really good shot with Charles. Um, Charles competed at our Raw Nationals and um, and did really well, but he came in and was a little bit dinged. He had a quad injury, so even though he squatted 250, which actually would would have at the time tied the world record in the squat. We knew that if he had a healthy training cycle, he could do more. So when he did it, when he had a productive training cycle, I was like, man, this could be the year that, uh, that Gladkick can go down. And I just, you know, we just kept telling Charles, look, you're going you're to need pretty much all nine lifts to beat this guy. Yeah. Because he doesn't miss. And, of course, you know, like you, we didn't expect Sergey to miss. But Charles came in, and he was on point and took the world record on his second um, – you know, the world record squad on his second, that is. And we went up a little bit on his third. And I think um, he just got out of position. He didn't treat the third. You know, he kind of changed things a little bit. He actually went too deep, kind of rocked back on his heels and wasn't able to recover. Yeah. But And then from there on out, Charles was flawless. So he actually did hit PRs in every single discipline. You know, he made eight lifts, but he had a squat, bench, deadlift, and total PR. And, of course, set the world record in both the squat and the total. So, I mean... Yeah, and he... he, we, he when he got uh, to his lead, uh, Gladkick, yeah. after he missed his third squat, he then missed his third bench, he missed his third dead because he was trying to catch up, which is... Yeah, a, pretty much. And that's not really a position he's used to being in where it's like, oh, I got to catch up to this young guy. It's He's usually in the lead and just maintaining. It's a lot easier to maintain a lead than it is to try to yeah, catch up. Exactly, because at that point, you're just pretty much padding your total. You're yeah. just, you know... You're playing the game and you're just trying to stay ahead of them and and um, yeah so that, that yeah I mean when you miss three lifts I mean you know we always preach you know there's nothing so sacrosanct about going nine for nine other than the fact that you can build a bigger total and yeah. it increases the probability of your success so in Charles's case he made eight to Sergey's six you know and so when you have two guys of similar strengths you know eight's going to beat six almost every time. And uh, you know who else surprised me here was um, Antti Sovalainen from Finland, a master. And he, he was, you know, he came in like a middle-of-the-pack nomination. Like, he obviously won the world championships in, um, I believe it was 2015. But I didn't expect him to come out like he did, take a bronze medal, and actually, like, this is like one of his better showings he's had in, in quite some time. Yeah, he only missed, he only missed his third bench. Uh, he went eight for nine. And, uh, yeah, he, he did really well, and, and he kind of edged out uh, El Bagidi from France there, you know, for that last podium spot. And, yeah, he did. He put together a nice meet. Like you said, he won 
when he kind of had the home game in 2015. Yeah. But then, you know, it was, for the most part, a two-horse race there at the top with Charles and Sergey. But I think um, Antti represented himself well and, you know, took third. So. And Albuquerque also had a really good day and kind of yeah. stole a bit of the show there at the end with his deadlifts. Holy smokes, is he a good deadlifter. Yeah, I mean, he, it on. just... And both him, he's a master as well, born in 75, but those fellows that's are... That's right. I mean, for, for us, Canadians, we didn't think uh, Savalainen and Albuquerque were going to push Stephen Cassioli, our boy, right off the podium, but um, th- that's exactly yeah. what happened. Like, last year, he's a bronze medalist. Coming into Canada, we had high hopes for him, but those fellas really turned it on and covered some ground. Yeah, it's really tight there in those classes, especially the top five. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, you you miss a lift, man, and you, now you're really, really, like you said, fighting from behind, and you're not in, you're no longer in that pole position. And, um, yeah, I mean, Albuquerque, you know, he hit the world record in the deadlift equipped not too long ago, so now he's got both both the equipped and the, you know, raw yeah. deadlift. Yeah. And, you know, opened up with uh, the world record to beat what Clifton did earlier in the, in the week. Yeah, <laughs> so, so that's pretty cool. So, so, so that was kind of cool. That's a tough guy to beat. Um, I'm going to try Yeah, for sure. One sec here. Oh, I'll take that off. So looking at the 74s, we move along to the 74s. Taylor Atwood, I mean, he's always previously coming in silver and just behind and had a, I mean, he actually had a bigger day than Arnold. He didn't quite have the Arnold day that he had, but he had a pretty big day. Like he was not going to lose to anybody on this day. Yeah, he was on. He was on fire. Um, just kind of a one-man wrecking crew. He at the Arnold, he didn't diet, so he came in. I think maybe a kilo and a half heavy, yeah. um, and kind of had a banner day at the Arnold. And and we knew that Taylor was at least capable of, of reproducing that. Um, he kept it kind of played his cards close to his vest. He um, just for people who, who don't know, he kind of tweaked his um, his IT band his at the outside of his quad a little bit. You know, maybe about, I think it was maybe seven to ten days out from the meet. So he was trying to kind of get that back in line and get it in order. And frankly, he did. Because, I mean, he squatted, um, you know, he, he hit <clears throat> he hit a, a world record squat. And then, of course, uh, Higa Yoshihiro from Japan took it back, which was basically just a repeat of what we saw in Belarus, yeah. which was pretty, pretty exciting seeing the two of them kind of trade the world record back and forth. But, yeah, I mean, Taylor... Taylor was pretty much out in front the whole time. It was his contest to lose, I think, you know, for the most part. And um, and just did a great job and, of course, set the world record total, you know, yeah. breaking Kel Backlund's total. So that was exciting. Yeah, he got 758 total, and the silver medal is 712 and a half. Like, it was like yeah. a total landslide. And at the Arnold, I think he got like 782.5 or 785. Like, it's just – he's – capable of some ridiculous numbers like he'd be competitive as a 74 he could have with his arnold got a silver medal in the 83s yeah we're seeing stuff out of taylor that you know we thought is not possible for a 74 kilo lifter but it's really exciting it just shows what you can do when not only when you commit to a process you have good people around you and just just the training man so i know jason tremblay and ben escrow are kind of uh, collaboratively working with him now and they're doing a great job is is there anybody in the world that could push Taylor Atwood? I don't know. I mean, it would be fun to see him go against Kel Backlund, right? I mean, just because, yeah. I mean, Kel beat him head-to-head, um, you know, and Taylor didn't necessarily have his best day. So, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, as sports fans, we yeah. all kind of want to see the, you know, the big dogs go head-to-head when everybody's healthy. So, I, I mean, 
I, I clearly, I think he can beat Kel. I mean, he just took his world record from him, but I think that would be really, really cool. I mean, Kel uh, obviously would, you know, presumably be pulling last because he's, you know, the world record holder there in the deadlift. Yeah. But that would be that would be a good show there. I'd like to see them uh, go head to head. I don't know what Kel's plans are. You know, he's primarily an equipped guy who came over to Raw, so I don't know if he's heading back to equipped or what the deal is. But that would be kind of fun. But in the meantime, I think this is, you know. Unless Cal comes back, this is Taylor's class. Yeah, this is this is the Taylor Atwood era for sure. Now yeah. somebody really pulled it together um, in the '83s. We were talking about Brett Gibbs, how if he could put together his super meet, what he's man. full capable of. And he's had some man, he's had some rough goes here and there. Uh, lose to a guy, and then the guy ends up failing his drug test. He gets the gold. The big showdown with Brett Gibbs, obviously in Belarus. Just an off day. I mean, he was capable of far more than he put up in Belarus. Um, yep. But today, that day, yep. eight, 830.5 kilo, the heaviest man ever to have a 10 times body weight total uh, in IPF history. And literally, yep. had, like his last deadlift, everything moved so smoothly for him on that day. He was yeah. on. He was on. He was absolutely unstoppable. I mean, it was like a runaway freight train. Like, yeah. just get out of get out of Brett's way. He was flawless. I mean, you could tell he was a different guy with his execution. Uh, he wasn't getting as hyped up as he had been in the in the past, which I know I, I heard on some recent podcasts him kind of talk about tweaking his mental approach and just focusing more on execution rather than you know acting uh, you know changing your personality so to speak once you get up there. But he was just, yeah, he was absolutely flawless. Um, the, the coaches played their hand correctly in terms of the attempt selection. You know, when Russell went for the world record, uh, they decided to match him because of the lot number. They got to go after Russell, so they went ahead and it automatically chipped them up yeah. to 299, you know, which is an exciting moment. And then, of course, he played, you know, and then he had the same game played right back to him with Owen Hubbard in the bench, yeah. you know, where Owen had the higher lot number and Owen said, okay, well, I'll show you one, you know, and go ahead and did the same thing, which is always fun because it's just fun for the fans and the audience to see that stuff, you yeah. know? They went toe-to-toe uh, world records. Uh, uh, there's another guy who really shocked me, Owen Hubbard. I mean, yeah. him taking the bronze medal, going in, like, historically speaking, I mean, he had, what did he did, 777 kilo total. I didn't yep. think he was going to get around there. I mean, that, that class alone, everybody in the top five was over 500 Wilkes. Yeah, also, and, you know, interesting fact, if you look at the top four, there were only three missed lifts. And so that says, you know, Russell misses last deadlift, and then the guy from Algeria missed two lifts. So, I mean, that's like unbelievable that's like surgical execution yeah. which is what which is what you need and i think um you know to be fair i mean like you said i couldn't be any happier for brett gibbs i mean it was it was his time and we'd all talked about him just putting nine attempts together he was literally unstoppable i mean there was nobody who was going to beat him on this day and so it was really really nice to see him kind of put together his signature performance it really was like it's, it, this would be a really hard one to top when you literally yeah. go nine for nine, and it feels like, like with his last deadlift, it looked like he could have oh. loaded more. Oh, he crushed it! I, yeah. I thought he had ten kilos left. Yeah. It was easy. Yeah, it, was, exactly. it, it looked great. It was fantastic. So that was yeah, that was really exciting. I think Russell did a great job of representing himself. Um, you know, just to be kind of honest and transparent, even if Russell had hit all of his top end numbers. And, and gone nine for nine, you know, he went eight for nine. But even if we had kind of hit his top end numbers, 
he still, you know, was not going to be able to beat Brett. I mean, the 830.5 total That's is not- higher than we were projecting for Russell's top end, you know, had Russell made everything. So, now, Russell, the, talking about Russell, so he got 783.5, but he's yep. gotten, like, last summer, he did a meet and he was in the 790s. Yeah, I think his wasn't his nom. I think his nominated total was maybe ten kilos more, like seven ninety three ish or something like that. And, and then, I know, yeah, I, I know, he totaled a bit more at our raw nationals. And um, I was anticipating, um, just because, like, I thought for sure he'd get into the eight hundreds. And uh, I don't know if he's dealing with some issues or what. Like his squat was definitely on point. Bench has yep. moved along well, but it's kind of his dead. He left with a two ninety five, and you know, I've, I've seen him pull around seven hundred in the gym. Yeah, his I think his PR is three twelve and a half, which is six eighty eight in pounds. So you know, uh, we were hoping that he would be able to get a PR in the deadlift, but I think, and again, I'm not making excuses. I just think you know, the the toll of the day starts to creep up on you. The um, the altitude, the uh, the dryness, you know, mm-hmm. the travel, etc. Him coming from Texas is not that far, but still, you know, also his first his first world championships. And I think it just, you know, eventually in the deadlift, it just kind of caught up to him where he was, you know, some fatigue started to show and he Mm -hmm. didn't produce the deadlift that he wanted. I mean, he lifted really well. He made eight out of nine attempts. I mean, that's a great showing silver medal to, you know, to again, to a guy that was just going to be unbeatable on that day. Um, Russell is, you know, is is definitely going to be a force to reckon with. And, you know, we look forward to seeing him back on the open stage again. Because they got, it's going to be tough with the U.S. Nationals. You got guys like Sean Noriega, who just hit a 785. Yeah. Um, Charles Dixon, I think he's going to 93 now, though. But, I mean, it's yeah, a, for like, sure. he's even, up. even the deadlift panda. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. He, he's, I mean, Orhees, or Orhees, sorry, has got, like, some major competition to get himself back onto the world team. It's really cool just because, you know, in the United States, the talent pool and, and the talent pool everywhere is just getting so much deeper. Yeah. But because we've, we've got a big federation and a huge talent pool, uh, yeah, our U S nationals, lots of times, some of the weight classes are almost like worlds. I mean, literally, you know, where the top two or three guys could be placing, you know, at worlds, yeah. which is really exciting. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, Russell's going to have his hands full. That's for so, sure. It's a top weight class. It only yeah. hovered. You know, it's kind of shocking to see Brett come in second in bench press. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And and Owen's attempts look great. And, I mean, he played the game masterfully, you know, like I said, and just matched him and played that chip game because he had the higher lot number, and it was just perfect. Yeah, and Owen had looked like he had a little bit more in the tank. And he, so. didn't, he also went 9 from 9 and didn't miss. And him, yeah. him hitting that 7-7... Seven, seven, like 777 kilos, he's only a five and a half kilo off Russell. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, close. absolutely. He's yeah, he's he's right there. I mean, so that you know, again, if we if we see these three horses back in the race uh, next year, yeah. you know, in Sweden, uh, that that would be exciting. I mean, and what was speaking of exciting what was maybe a little more exciting than I had anticipated the 93 kilo battle. Yeah. Uh, with L.S. McLean. Now, going in, he was such a heavy favorite. I was thinking this is like one of the more solid locks for, for a world champion would be L.S. But L.S. the night before, you had said, I remember you telling me, hey, look it, we went to his room, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he's wrapped up in covers, sweating feverishly almost, muscles cramping up, 
and the wheels are really falling off. Uh, you could tell that story, but how bad was it? Yeah, so we actually, I, I didn't um, I didn't make it to his room in the middle of the night, but I met him there for weigh-ins, and he had just gotten off the scale. And when I walked up to him, he had his back to me, and I just kind of walked up to him, and I put my arm around him. And then when I got a look at his face, man, I could tell immediately, um, you know, that, he, that his, his, his demeanor and body language was not good. And he, he actually was not altogether there. I mean, he was a, a little bit, you know, uh, incoherent at the time. And um, anyway, long story short, as you said, he battled some cramps in the night and um, full body cramps and cramping in his abs and his legs. And he really couldn't get him to subside. I think he slept less than two hours is kind of what he told me. And um, But we got him downstairs. We got him in the warm up room. I ran back to the hotel and got him a blanket and wrapped it around him because he did begin to, to shiver and we weren't sure if he had a fever or what was going on. So we're trying to pump him full of fluids. He didn't have a very hard cut, so I don't know if he just had a weird reaction to the altitude or, or what happened, but um, we were giving him some food and he was drinking. He laid down in the warm-up room and, um, you know, he had even said to me when we were upstairs, he said, look, he said, I dropped my squat opener. I dropped my bench opener because I kept the deadlift the same. Let's just keep that there because I think by that time of the day, you know, presumably maybe I'll be feeling better. And he said, he said, I don't care what numbers we put on the bar. I just want to make nine lifts and do the best I can. And I said, yeah, man, I said, let's just secure the W. Let's just yeah. do whatever it takes to just get the win. And so we literally just took his previous game plan and like shredded it and um, threw that in the trash and started over. And we wound up having to drop his squad opener a total of 15 kilos. So uh, once we got him warming up and he started kind of acting a little bit more like himself, you know, kind of recharge the battery, so to speak, um, we dropped his opener 15 kilos. And yeah, he did. I mean, he, he wound up going nine for nine, clearly way underperformed what our expectation was but it was just a heroic effort in terms of his execution and the four of us me Susie Ross Lepola and his girlfriend Stephanie just kind of having that surgical attempt selection and putting the right weights on the bar so that he wasn't going to miss you know and he and he came out and he wound up winning by seven and a half kilos and you know it was exciting I mean it came down to the wire there at the end dude it was as dramatic as and here's the thing too when your guy is is that weakened, um, not only does he have to go nine for nine to build that total because you know his total's not going to be what you wanted, but you can't have him fight too much along the way because how much yep. fight does he have in him? So you exactly. almost got to be like, look, it, we need you nine for nine and we need you as fresh as possible so your third attempts can be, you know, tough but not too tough because right. you could, I mean, if you're battling some kind of sickness, you get yeah. out quick. That's the number one thing. Oh. You got one good fight in you, maybe that's it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, then, as it turns out, he, he wound up tying a PR in the deadlift, and that was the only PR that he had. But like we kind of thought, we thought, look, if we can get him through the first two events, the squat and the bench series, and get him six for six, hopefully by that time he's feeling a little bit more like himself and kind of picked up a head of steam, so to speak. Yeah. And so he did what we kept his deadlift attempts essentially the same for the most part, and he wound up tying a PR, which was kind of exciting in the deadlift. So – um, but yeah, you like you said, you can't, you can't, you don't want to push too, too hard because he's not going to have that many fights in him. No. And, uh, as it turns out, I mean, the Algerian, Amar Kanan, holy yep. smokes, where did yep. this guy come from? A world record squat, 330 kilo squat. 
I mean, he had us in the booth. We're like, what the hell? Well, you don't know what to expect from this guy. They start yeah. with their numbers super high or low and change their openers. And so you can't game play. And he came out of nowhere. Um, thank God he doesn't have a, a, like he only went one for three in the deads. But if he had pulled off yeah. a couple deads, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah, he, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, he hit that big squat. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't use a chip on their third squat. I mean, fortunately, it didn't come back to, to, to get us. Um, but I guess I guess also they were thinking because he's got the body weight advantage, you don't necessarily need the chip. But when it comes to that kind of stuff, I like to play every card that I have personally. 100%. Um, just because you never know who's coming from behind. And it's always nice to make somebody go up an extra two and a half if, yeah. if there happens to be some somebody you weren't tracking who is lighter and who comes from behind. So, But, yeah, he hits the big squad. He made all three benches and, and clearly gave up some ground in the bench. But, yeah, and then had a little bit of miscues there in the deadlift where he only made one. Yeah. But he, you know, he came in seven and a half behind LS. Yeah, so, he still got a silver medal. If he had kept yeah. the pace, because we didn't know what to expect from him. So if he yep. had kept the pace he had set with the bench and the squat, we're like, oh, my God, because of LS's weakened state, this guy's a serious threat. But, um, I mean, he just he set a pace he couldn't he couldn't handle. I mean, that was a huge squat. Yeah. Three for three in the bench, but then once the deadlift started, LS started pulling ahead of the pack. But yep. then out of nowhere, David yep. Coimbra jumping 30 kilo from his yep. second to his third attempt. I swear to God, when he loaded that bar, I thought – you know, when you're, you're comfortably in bronze and there's no nobody coming up that's going to threaten your medal, so you don't have to get your last dead, you do things like, I'm going to load the bar, come out, tug on it, it's going to go nowhere, and I'm going to wave the crowd and say, thank you very much, I had to try. But yeah. this freaking guy, how scared were you when that thing started moving? Well, I told Susie, so when we were scouting out this class, I told Susie, I said, this is the guy, because, you know, um, who uh, was it... Um, Oh, no, that was the 83s where Anwar didn't show up, right? That was, yeah. Um, but I told Susie when we were scouting, I said, this is the one guy that we got to worry about. I said, because I've seen Coimbra pull before, and I said, he can he can pull a rabbit out of his rear end. Yeah. If, 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 literally, if he needs to. And so I, yeah, I, he was the one that we were kind of worried about. So, I, I mean, I didn't expect him to lock it out, I'll be honest, because it was a 30-kilo jump. But I told her and everybody who was standing there, I said, this damn bar is coming off the floor. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. I said, this thing's coming up. And I, and I figured he'd kind of get it to his knees and then kind of, you know, crap out, so to speak. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that he locked it out and, you know, I mean, I guess fortunate for us, it was a two-to-one call. I know that, you know, like like any other sports play, you know, where there's judging, um, it's going to come down to the critical eye of the three yeah. people who were in the referee's chairs. And some would clearly argue that the lift was good, and while others would argue that the lift was bad. You know, yeah, it was. it was a dicey call. Definitely, I mean, that's the way it goes sometimes. There was definitely a, a lot of movement. It was untidy for sure. Um, as soon as you watch it, I mean, he got one white, so you knew yep. right off the bat they had to, especially for the world championship on the line, you got to go to the jury and ask. Uh, oh, you'd be, for sure. You'd be silly not to at least have that conversation. But um, there's definitely movement, but 30 kilo jump. And what I like about it is, he, he like, looking how he did that jump and, and damn near got it, he for sure would have got the silver medal pole if he wanted to. And he's like, no, we're not pulling for silver, we're pulling for gold. So, I yeah. mean, hats off to that guy. It's a gutsy guy, and it wasn't just a let me tug on this and wait for the crowd. This dude locked yes. it out. Like, I've never seen that before in my life. I've been doing this yeah. three years, commentating all the world's uh, every single day for the past three years at the World Championships. Never seen someone jump 30 kilo like that and almost snag it out. 
Yeah, it was really incredible. That was an exciting moment, regardless of what side of the you know uh, uh, the country you were sitting on in terms yeah. of who you were cheering for. Um, and David has come in to his credit. I think he's probably placed second, third, fourth, fifth. I think that you know he's snagged every single place that he could possibly get except first. Yeah. And so I, I think at that point. You know, like you said, you can't blame the guy for just saying the heck with it, man. I'm pushing all my chips to the center of the table. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's the great. Fact, the fact he actually said, like, no, not silver. You know they had this conversation, and the coach is like, are we loading up for silver or are we loading up for gold? And he's like, we're going for the gold, my friends. We're going yeah. for the gold. And it was a real, it was a real attempt and legit oh. real close, too. Totally. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was really, really exciting. So, but, um, yeah, I just um, – Happy for LS that he fought through adversity there. It's just, you know, that's the sign of a, of a true champion is, is being able to fight through adverse conditions. And I told him because I was in his corner last year. You know, last year was pretty sweet because that was his first one. But I said this one's even sweeter because, you know, one of the hardest things to do is in sports is repeat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard enough winning the first one. But, man, then to win the second one back-to-back is pretty special. And how crazy last year LS was a fourth alternate. And LS has never won the U.S. Nationals, but the guy's a multiple-time world champion. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> it's just credit to his fortitude. And, you know, um, Susie and the other coaches of some of the other teams, we always remind our alternates that they absolutely just hey, – the top two or three alternates have to train as if they're going. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, things happen, uh, you know, work calls or military duty calls and what have you. And so, um, in this case, you know, Ellis's number got called and he came up and delivered. Yeah in a major way now yep. the battle of the 105s talking about delivering this <laughs> battle lived up to the hype and then some i swear to god i've never seen a bench event so so like people were on their feet for the bench people are on the feet cheering we had back-to-back -back world record attempts and like there wasn't a single lull in action usually it slows a little bench and then we it picks back up for the deads but the battle of the 105s um were you a little surprised with the outcome well i think I don't necessarily want to say surprised. I just think that I think deep down in your soul, when you have somebody like where's Vicky, who's, you know, pretty much the greatest deadlifter on the planet. Um, you always kind of hold your breath a little bit, you know, because you, you just, you know that you have to build such a subtotal that you want to put a guy like that. And then, and as an uncomfortable situation as possible. And and usually a guy like that delivers, and clearly he has every time except this one. Yeah. And so um, I, I don't – surprise isn't the word, but, I mean, it, it you know, it, it's – yeah, it's somewhere in that neighborhood of, of being surprised. I mean, I'm just ecstatic for both Bryce and Garrett that they were able to do what they did. Um, and, you know, something – Something clearly, I think, was a little bit off with Weir's Picky. I don't, I don't want to, you know, start a rumor that he was injured. I don't necessarily think that he was hurt, but he just—it was uncharacteristic of him to miss that many lifts. He said um, in the warm-up room. So right off the bat, when Bryce missed his third dead, I was like, oh no! I thought he had to go nine for nine to really yeah. push for his Becky. But when I talked to Christoph in the warm-up room, he had said um, the travel, the flight was like something crazy, like. 40 hours because of layovers and whatever. And uh, yeah. he didn't sleep. He can't sleep on the plane. Some people can't. So he yeah. had like no sleep. And then when he landed here, um, he's only there for like a night. And then the next day, here we, here we go, we're lifting. And he had to cut weight as well for the oh, first boy. time he's cutting weight. And then on top of that, um, I think he was saying because of the time zone difference, 
when they started lifting, it was like the equivalent of three o'clock in the morning for Poland. So he yeah. said in the warm up room, he's like, uh, you know, he's he's a tough guy. But I was like, how do you feel? And you could you could see on this. He's like, I'm okay. But I saw his face. No, you're not, man. You're gonna have a rough day. You know, he's he's a tight. Go out on the shield. He's won so many times. I don't think it's a major deal for him if he doesn't win them all. But yeah, he, yeah. it was it was definitely he was vulnerable. Put it that way, he was vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, you know, he missed the opener squad on depth. And so, you know, we all kind of thought, I thought to myself, oh, all right, he missed one. Because, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you're game planning for a guy like that who's clearly capable of, of pulling 400 kilos, you know, to, for us, at least I was thinking, his magic number is kind of 500 kilos at subtotal. If he can get to a 500, it's pretty much going to be game, set, match. You know what I mean? Because if he needs to pull four at the end, you know, we all know that he's at least capable of doing it. Yeah. But but when he missed his opener squad, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, all right. Now he's only got eight attempts left. You know, he jumped up on his second attempt. He did meet the standard. He took it deep enough. But then he missed his third squad yeah. on, actually on strength, and that you know that'll fatigue your back even as a sumo puller. It still fatigues you. You know misses take more out of you than makes, and so um, he held serve in the in the bench. But then um, you know as you know in the deadlift there, um, he kind of bobbled that opener. I mean I was actually yeah, I was surprised they gave him the opener even. I mean he, he yeah. honestly he could have bombed. He could have. That's yeah, how bad of a day he was having. That and that's the only dead he got was his opener. Yep. But that opener, opener was. Big time questionable. Yeah, it was. It was. He kind of bobbled there, kind of unlocked at the at the very top, and so he was very fortunate, as you say, to get credit for that one. And then, of course, he went on to miss the other two. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's exciting. I mean, I couldn't be any happier for Gra- for Bryce and Garrett. And I think uh, to your point, you know, we had that fire there in the bench press, which is just absolutely awesome. I actually walked up to. Because, I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time at this level. and But I walked up to Gaston Parage, you know, the president of the IPF, and I said, have you ever seen this happen where you've had the world record, you know, where we go with that chip-up situation three consecutive times? And he said, no. I said, the absolute first time he's ever seen it. Because, of course, he goes to all the meets. Yeah. And I said, wow, you know, that's really cool. I said, I said, isn't this great for the sport? I said, it's fantastic. And what's even more exciting is that all three of these guys made it. And, uh, you know, again, hindsight, I, I like how the order went because if Garrett had been called upon to go last, I don't think he had another half kilo. No, um, no, it was, Garrett, yeah, it was, yeah, for sure. He pushed himself. I mean, look, Garrett only missed by four and a half kilo from the gold medal as well. He is right. I, him and Bryce are such a close rivalry. However, yeah. and he's out of total Bryce, not head to head. But Bryce's record with Garrett, um, he always seems to chip it up and just pull out the win, probably because yep. he's got the bigger dead, so whatever he's got a dead, he can pull it out. And that's exactly. really, it's the tough part where you could be neck and neck powerlifters, but if you go head to head, whoever has the bigger dead, I mean, he's just got to chip it. He's got to chip the win. Yeah, I've, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I've coached Bryce a few times against Garrett head to head. And we always, you know, we're, we're, as you said, just holding our breath there and trying to hang on for that last pull because we know that he's going to pull last and after Garrett. And, you know, to Garrett's credit, because, um, you know, you had him on the podcast before, um, Garrett only lost by three and a half kilos. And, um, that's with missing a third squat and a third pull. So, yeah. you know, that's a that's a way different ball game if Garrett makes that third squat. 
Yeah, the only, imagine he would have hit that third squat. Or, Completely different. Or his third pull, he just went yeah. up three and a half kilos. Like, he didn't know that's all he had to go yeah. up. But imagine he told himself, you know what, we're going to go up three and a half kilos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just, yeah. It's, it's, you know these yeah. are the questions he's going to ask himself when he goes home. He'll be like, oh, he, damn it, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, like when I was, I was coaching Bryce that day, Eric Helms and myself, and – and we put in 350 for his final attempt. And the reason that we left it at 350 is we all genuinely thought that Bryce had 12 and a half kilos. Now, it turned out at the end there that he could have actually dropped it a, a couple more and even made Where's Bicky's, you know, a little bit harder. But Where's Bicky wound up missing anyway, so it all worked yeah. out in the end. I mean, everything at that point is calculated risk, right? And you're just trying to basically, whenever you can, stack the deck in your favor, but you also want to show your athlete that you do have belief in them. And, you know, everybody in the building, I think, thought that Bryce had 12 and a half. And I guess just like Garrett and, and, and um, you know, and, and they just ran out of gas at the end. So, um, but hung on for the win. I mean, nobody's going to complain with our two, two American stallions there going one yeah. and two. So, no. you know what and I mean? Is that, um, no, is that a world record total? I don't believe so, right? No, because the, no, the world record total is 890. And, and an interesting side note, I think every single person is very, very lucky and very fortunate that um, Rondell Hunt from Trinidad, who was the junior at 105, who actually totaled 883 and a yeah. half earlier in the week. Oh, so where, yeah, let's, let's talk about this guy. He didn't compete in the Open. <laughs> <laughs> and does he, now is he telling himself, why the hell didn't I go into the Open? Because being an yeah. Open, hey, being junior world champion, master world champion, that's amazing. Being an Open world champion, you hang your, you could do nothing else in powerlifting, that's it. You hang your hat on that for, for here on out. I mean, how crazy is it when he was piecing together his day, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, let me scroll down there to this guy. I think he was even passing up chips when he could have took chips. He was just like, I don't really even know if they realized. Yeah, he missed a chip opportunity in the squat and only took 330 on his third. Um, so he could have done that. Um, he did use the chip there in the bench. And then what I found a little bit puzzling was why he didn't try to break the open world record total with his third pull but i was later told that he was actually trying to break his own junior world record and pr deadlift and i'm thinking to myself man i'm sitting in the crowd and i'm like why isn't this cat just going to try to beat where's vicky's 890 total yeah. which he could have done you know presumably but um but anyway i think we're all just very fortunate and blessed that he wasn't <laughs> in the as well yes yeah, that would have been another dog that we'd have had to deal with there. So. Well, he's, he's probably coming. I got to suspect. Oh, yeah. I got to suspect because he's born in 96. I yep. think he's got another year in junior, but I don't think he needs it. Yeah. He's got to move up. And if yeah, he does move up. Freak. <laughs> yeah, and he's a kid. He's young. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid. So, I mean, if he comes back next year, and, of course, I think, you know, we don't know. A lot, a lot can happen in a year. But, yeah. I mean, imagine the fireworks you know, of a world championships, if some of these same players came back and, you know, were able to act out, you know, uh, another act of this play, so to speak. I mean, that would be really exciting. Because these 105 seem like, like, in terms of weight classes, 83 kilo, 93 kilo, a lot of men walking around would naturally fall into that if you're weightlifting. 105, you're starting to get on the bigger side. So you wouldn't think it'd be as competitive as this, but the 105s is like, for the last couple of years, it's super insane. competitive. Like if, if if Rondell Hunt moves into the open next year oh, and everybody comes back 
huge, another massive battle of the 105s. Yeah, yeah, and his, you know, because he's younger, and we always talk about this, you know, his rate of adaptation is, is so much greater. He can get stronger faster than these other guys. Yeah. It's, just, it's just the way it is. And so, you know, but yeah, I mean, whoever makes it back next year, I mean, our U.S. Nationals, again, are in October, and it's going to be exciting as it always is with the 105s because, you know, like we talked about with the 83s, and, and the 93s, I mean, it's like it's literally like a world at nationals. Yeah. And so you don't know if Garrett's going to make it or Bryce or Eli Burks or whatever. And it was it was also, I think we should mention uh, Bryce Krawcheck. It was fun to see him. You know, he had a great day. I think that was the first time he'd ever benched over 400 pounds raw, which was exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he put together a really nice day and, of course, kind of got the crowd going there at the end. He kind of YOLO'd on that third pull, but why the hell not, man? Yeah. I mean, that would have been, been really cool to see him knock Weir's Vicky off the podium altogether. Yeah, you know? Well, the, I mean, you know the Canadian crowd wanted to see him go for it. Oh, and, for sure, yeah. of course. And and they point, were, why not? I know? mean, imagine the defending champion not even on the podium at all. It can happen. I mean, yeah, we've seen right. it happen before. Um, but yeah, speaking of, that's actually a pretty good segue from the 105s to the 120s because we're saying the Canadian kid... For the first time ever, a Canadian won the Open, and he yep. did it on home soil, Eric Willis. And, you know, of all the Canadians we got, Willis is kind of like, um, in terms of social media and whatnot, kind of quiet on social media, nowhere near as big a following as some of these other guys. And he and yep. all people come through. He had a solid, I think he went nine for nine, if I'm not mistaken. He did. He yeah. made every single lift. Yeah, all nine, all nine attempts, and one on body weight, which is really exciting. Right down to the very last deadlift, and there's a pull for the gold. I mean, you don't get more dramatic than that. No, nine, it was perfect. Nine hundred kilo, even everybody went nuts. And in the one twenties, that was the weight class, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the gentleman from the islands, Ivory Coast. Uh, from the Ivory Coast. Was it the one hundred fives or was it the one twenties? The guy who came out and was trying to, yes, it was, the 120s. Okay. Uh, Fazan Gustav, who tried to open at 350. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And put his life in his hands. So what, were you back there? Or no, you didn't have a horse in that race, did you? No, I didn't, and I and I and I showed up a little late to that. I came I came during the benches, so I actually missed that. But I was told by the other coaches they were like, "Man, you just missed what could have been a catastrophic incident there." It, it, okay, in the, so in the squat, it, it, so. it boggles my mind because I heard that he actually failed. I think two ninety five in the warm up room, failed uh, in a grinder, then came out and opened with three fifty, which yeah, is absolutely insane. It's and, insane. And he, he, he offered, I don't know if you've seen the videos online, but he offered absolutely no resistance to this weight. Like he walked out and then yeah. sunk to the ground. And then. Yeah, I haven't watched the live stream, but I, I need to go back and check it out because you're not the only one who's been talking about it's, it. It's mind boggling. And what's even crazier to me, three times in a row, he walked out and he like, he looked like a boxer. When he came out for his last one, he looked like he was drunk on the platform walking up to it. Like, I mean, like, punch drunk, like a boxer, because he, the, the first 350 went over his head, and I, it, if you ever have 350 kilos, go over your back, over your head, and it rolls up the back of your head. There's a reason why in boxing, you're not allowed to hit into the back of the head. Very yeah, right. It's illegal. Boxing, MMA, you can't hit to the back of the head. He took 350 kilos off the back of the head, and then it hit the ground, and then he hit the ground, and he was out. He was out like a light from that 350, yep. and then came out two more times. Like, how does this happen? 
Yeah, I think you know, not to. I, I don't want to necessarily throw anybody under the bus, but but some of these nations, uh, like the Ivory Coast and some of these smaller countries who who make it to a World Championships, and some of these countries in the IPF are are there on a probationary basis or something. They don't have the should I say the acumen or the quality in their coaching staffs, if you will. And so they, um, you know, so you, you will see some of these uh, performances or, or, or mishaps by lifters coming in and clearly opening up well beyond their means. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not a laughing matter because it puts everybody at risk. And so, you know, you will see these catastrophic bomb outs or you might see a decision that a coach makes where they have an opportunity to take advantage of a world record chip and they don't know the rules and they don't do that yeah. or, you know, or they don't change their opener on time or they don't submit their deadlift changes in an appropriate fashion and just kind of, you know, they might, like I said, just kind of be a little bit more rough around the edges in terms of their knowledge of the sport while they might just have this one or two genetic freaks, you know, that are pretty strong. So I think that could be the case of this guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to open at 350 and, and, and have three goes at it like that is, is pretty dangerous. It, it, was, it was literally when, when we cut, like, you know, for the open, I enter in every one of them a quick, quick rundown of what we're about to see. And then we yep. cut away every single session, every single, I give a little rundown of what we saw. So when they put the camera on me and I gave a, <laughs> I was giving my cut, I kid you not, this dude was still on the platform unconscious with people gathered around him. They, they, they swing the camera to me and I'm like, yeah, is this guy dead? Like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, right. okay, so there you have it. We have so-and-so takes the goal. And I'm trying to act cool, act normal trying to if i look scared then everybody's like what the hell just happened this dude was unconscious for like five minutes you yeah. know, it, was, it was it was mind-boggling and obviously didn't lift the rest of the day i think yeah. one of the canadians who's a doctor and also a lifter or a paramedic nonetheless ran back there before his third attempt and said you can't go back out there don't yeah. go back out there and apparently the coaching were like you're gonna go out there or are you gonna listen to her and he's yep. like, I'm, you know, like, like, a, like a boxer who you have to stop the fight for them. They're not going to stop. You know, they're fighting. So they're going to go out there. It's the same thing with some of these weightlifters where you got to sometimes put your hand on their shoulder and say, hey, man, you know, yeah. we're not going to finish with a total today. We got bench. We got deads. And, and you got your health. You right. know, this dude, I don't know how much taking 350 off the back of the head and then getting turned into a meme that everybody's sharing. I mean, that's going viral. That was all over powerlifting motivation and all the different, you know, I didn't want to repost it because I almost, I feel bad for the guy, but he, if you watch it, he walks out like for a second and third attempt, he walks out and literally passes out and opens his hands and just crumples to the ground. Like he is like, there was like, you could tell you got knocked out that first one. Yep. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. And I'm surprised someone someone didn't step in there and just stop him. Like, you're not allowed out. You're not allowed to come back out. Because it doesn't make us look good. certainly doesn't make us look good. No, not at all. I mean, at that point, you would would hope that, like you said, kind of, you know, the referee would kind of step in and call the fight, so to speak. Yeah. I I think in this case, though, they did have a doctor check him out and said, you you know, you're physically okay. But you look visibly all types of trouble. (laughs) But, uh... But anyways, yeah, Eric Willis won that, the 120s. Um, and, I mean, hometown, well, not hometown guy, but Canadian countryman. On yeah, Canada, the very first time, we finally got an Open champion. We got a lot yeah. of Masters champions. We got a lot of junior champions. Never got an Open. Um, so that's yeah. a huge deal. And, um, 
Yeah, and uh, so the 120 pluses. Yep. Ray and, and Kelly both only had one squat, and it was their second squat. Yep. And it wasn't exactly the day either man was hoping for, but still Ray was able to close the show with a monster deadlift. Biggest deadlift in IPF history. Yep. In That's the, right. In the Raw. Um, and, and he went won his fifth world championship. And um, on a day that he was probably most vulnerable, because he only got his opening weight for squat, was still head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. Yep. I, I mean, is there anybody that could push him? Um, respectfully, no. I mean, I, I, I don't think so, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, Ray, Ray believes in himself, and he's, he's one of the strongest um, uh, people that I've ever met mentally. He's got a tremendous amount of confidence. It's, it's definitely not arrogance or cockiness, but he's very confident. And he just, um, you know, he, he often says that he's competing primarily with himself. And he doesn't say that to, to take anything away from anybody else. But I think... I think the results kind of speak for themselves in terms of him being in a class, you know, literally kind of by himself uh, there. And, um, you know, we, we had discussed before the competition uh, p- pretty much, you know, every potential scenario I like to run through with my lifters, uh, you know, and Susie does the same thing, just kind of run through every potential scenario. And so clearly you're at a world championships and the, the number one objective is securing the gold and securing the W, so to speak. And so we just told him, look, you know, Ray, um, th- there's been some really strict judging throughout the week. And uh, in your flight, because you have all these spotters, uh, these judges are going to be sitting in a different position, you know, kind of not what you're new- used to, kind of having these three head referees almost, so to speak. And, it's, and, and so if you miss your first one on depth, we have to stay there because you have to get a squat in. Yeah. There's just no way that we can go up and, and endorse, uh, you know, going up and wait. You know, at the Arnold, you can do that because there's really no consequences at the Arnold. But when when you do that at the World Championships and you risk potentially losing, you know, a gold medal, it's, it's not worth it. So he understood that and he didn't meet the standard on the first one. And so we repeated it and, um, and he met the standard. And then at that point... We, we basically knew, you know, he just needed one squat. We were confident that, you know, he just needed one, essentially, and we were going to be able to close the deal with the, with the bench and the deadlift. So at that point, we took a little bit larger jump than we normally would and just called for the world record yeah. and, um, you know, chipped his, his own world record. And um, I knew yeah, he was so motivated and so frustrated and, you know, angry um, that I, I knew he's going to come up with pretty much whatever we put on the bar. So... <laughs> We said, what the heck, we're going to take an uncharacteristic jump and put the world record on the bar. And he smashed it, but again, got caught on depth. And, um, you know, I, I went to the jury for clarification, and they just confirmed what they thought the referees saw. And I said, okay, I mean, that's the deal. I'm not going to, you know, at that point, when you're also pretty much, you know, far out in front, I don't think you want to make a big stink about it, you know. And, um, and, 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 and we didn't, but, I mean, clearly he was disappointed. And, um, you know, I mean, I know that Kelly was disappointed as well because I think that Kelly had every expectation of, you know, trying to squat a thousand. I mean, yeah. we all saw him. We all saw him put it on his back and take it for a ride at the Arnold. Yeah. And um, he knows and, uh, you know, that it was a little high at the Arnold and he, he didn't meet the standard, but he kind of survived, so to speak. Yeah. Realized, hey, you know, hey, I'm still alive. You know, <laughs> I, I can I can physically do this thing. I just got to get a little deeper. And I think everybody in Canada was certainly wanting that. And we were cheering for him. But again, you know, in Kelly's case as well, you know, doesn't, doesn't get the white lights on the first one. And so then you've got to repeat. And so once you do that, your squat plan at least is kind of thrown askew. 
And so you just have to pick up the pieces and charge on. And both of those guys did that. And like you said, just made the one squat. And then, you know, Ray went six for six from there. And then when it, you know, when it came to the deadlift, I was just playing a numbers game. And I said, look, let's, let's try to get you the world record in the pole to salvage the day. And also let's get you the best lifter award. Yeah, so, so that's what, that's what went into our last uh, deadlift there. I just ran the calculations and, and figured out, look, this is, this is the lowest number that he needs to secure two things, the best lifter and to break the world record deadlift. And yeah. so that was the rationale behind the 398.5. Him on his worst day was still the yeah. best lifter at the world championships. Exactly. So that's so, tough to catch up. Now, looking ahead, um, I'm just looking at the juniors. Don't know if you had a chance to see Luke Richardson. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal performance. And he's 19 years old. Yeah, just unbelievable. 960. So how far do you think a kid like Luke Richardson could take it? Obviously, he's at 19. I mean, he's got years to grow just in the juniors um, until he's 23 and then move into 24, move into the open. So how far do you think a kid like that could maybe take this? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be exciting, man. Like you said, he's so young that he could just continue to develop. And I think it's going to be, you know, we talk about this is, is uh, and I don't know who, who writes his training or if he does it himself, but I think to have, you know, longevity in the sport, you don't want to burn out too fast. And I think because when you're younger, your rate of adaptation is so high, um, your natural testosterone production is so high, it's higher than master's lifters and, and older lifters. And so you can take advantage of all of those assets, if you will, and you don't, you don't have to slam your foot on the gas and go full throttle all the time. Yeah. You're just naturally going to develop at a greater rate. So, I mean, look, man, he totaled 960, and that would have what? That would have put him in third place in the open, I think. Yeah. Um, um, behind Kelly. Now, at clearly 19. Kelly was... At 19. Was that, yeah, 19. And, I mean, he's got he's got one of those uh, Bill kazmeyer ish frames. You know yeah. what I mean? No, he's not... Like, he's small, like... In, Comparatively yeah. speaking, I mean, if he, yeah. he could put on another 30 pounds or like at 19, what, what he looks like at 19, what he looks like at 25, because he still has a baby face. When he's yep. 25, God knows, you know, what he's yeah, really he, capable of. Yeah, he weighed, in, he weighed in at just under 140 kilos, so like, you know, 307 and a half there in pounds. And um, yeah, so he's got the frame to put on more muscle. And if he stays healthy and his trajectory continues the way it's going to continue, or we hope it continues. Yeah. Um, That'll be exciting to see, man. I mean, it's, you know, um, to, you know, kind of break into the open class there, you know, I guess when his time comes, it's it's really incredible. Because, I mean, he's already pulling 370. So he's kind of within, you know, he's, look, he's within the conversation. He'd have the second heaviest deadlift behind Ray. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. he's in the conversation there with the deadlift. And, you know, uh, also because he's so young, his upper body strength will continue to develop and he'll put on muscle up top. And so his bench will kind of, you know, come up to speed. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, man. Just, just watching some, some of these junior lifters are just ridiculous. Well, looking at them, I mean, you, a couple standouts for me, Charles Dixon did really well. Uh, absolutely monstrous 83 kilo lifter. He's huge, but Steve, Blake Lehu, Stephen Lehu with a yep. 735 total, uh, which is a junior world record. We're talking about who could possibly give Taylor Atwood a run for his money. Give yep. Lee Hugh another couple of years. Who knows? I mean, 735 is a big total. 
It is. It's a huge total, and 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 Blake is is crazy strong. I think what Blake um, needs to do, um, you know, respectfully, is just brush up on his execution and just be and just get some more polish. We like to use the term polish. He just needs to become a more refined lifter. He's too inconsistent, um, and still, as you said, freakishly strong and putting up big totals. But if he can put together one of those nine for nine packages, then he's even more so in the conversation than he would currently be now. You know, and so that's kind of been the story on him at nationals when he does go head to head with taylor is you know um you know because he typically doesn't make nine lifts we know that taylor is going to be out in front and so if and when he can get you know these you know an eight or nine lift out of nine performance you know watch out i mean he'll you know he'll definitely be there because so. he put he would have won a silver in the overall um yep. with that and he yeah he only got one squat in just as opener squat uh, yep. Missed a bench, missed a dead. So, like you're saying, he's a little spotty. I mean, what he's capable of, if he had to hit all the squats, who knows where he could put his total. And he's yep. young. I mean, he's he's born in 95. Um, so, yep. he's, he's got a little room to grow. Um, obviously, Rondell, Jackson Spencer won a gold for Canada as well in the 120s. And um, in, the, in the Masters, a little surprising, Superman. Yeah. Um, that was a little disappointing, but... It, it it was yeah Dave Dave Ricks bombed out on depth and which was which was disappointing and then you know to to pour salt in his wound later in the week the Algerian took his world record from him so, yeah um which is you know um not necessarily what any of us Americans wanted to see but I know that I, I know that Dave will be back I think everybody cheers for Dave we love Dave he's a hell of a guy and um and um yeah but it's just you know it's it uh, Dave's struggled in the past few meets. Um, with his depth and when he can make three squats, which clearly we've seen him do, uh, look, he's in a conversation to break that world record total, which is where's Bickey's at eight forty-seven and a half, I think it is. Yeah. So you know, I mean, him, LS, you know, those type of lifters definitely have the strength. It's just you got to put together one of those signature performances to come through with the total. We had said in the preview show, I was like, man, yeah. I love everybody loves David Ricks, but those yeah. squats sometimes are yeah, at the, the thing, nationals. Right? And it was a bit of foreshadowing. I wish I wasn't right because I love David Ricks, but holy smokes, man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I mean, that's that's Dave's. You know, that that's his bread and butter. He's he's gotta he's gotta get three squats in to be in the conversation because that's that that's his his grand slam lift, if you will. And when you're a big big squatter like that, um, you gotta have all three of them. So. Does he does he just, so? What does he do? Does he just need to lower his opener for now on and just like look at open at open at six twenty instead of six forty yeah. or open yeah, at six? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, he he comes up pretty comfortably in terms of strength with the openers. You know, it's just he's not satisfying the standard. Um, yeah. And clearly, I'm not his coach. I don't train with him on a regular basis. I mean. You start looking at stuff like his mechanics, and you look at heel height in the shoe, and you look at your stance. I mean, those are kind of the you know factors and kind of the knee-jerk responses, if you will, in terms of when somebody's not meeting the standard. You know, are their hips too tight? Their ankles too tight? What's their footwear like? And where are they standing? You know, those are kind of the things that you immediately look at. Um, I don't think that he's ever opened too heavy where he's just, you know, not been able to come up with it. He's always yeah. coming up with it. I mean, as a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time that Dave hasn't come up with a squat unless we're talking about one that he lost his balance with yeah so but um yeah so i mean we all wish him the best and and i and i hope to see him you know at raw nationals and it's funny so the the, the guy who beat him is actually a canadian and his story 
He powerlifted in the 80s, he did a meet. It came back in the 90s, he did a meet. Came back 10 years again. And like every 10 years, he comes out of retirement, okay? So he's only had a handful of competitions. He came back out of retirement <laughs> to get to these world championships, and then he yeah. beat David Ritz. And I asked him, what's next? He's like, you kidding me? I'm fucking retiring. I'm done. What are you kidding me? <laughs> it gets no better than this. I just beat David Ritz, and I'm a world champion. You're never going to see me again. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, we'll yeah. see in 10 years, but who knows? But right. That's a right. fame. Also, probably need to be said, uh, Jason Mike had a phenomenal day. Uh, yep. Hitting, uh, he got the world record bench, which he's been chasing for a long time. Uh, I mean, years chasing that world record bench, and he got the world record bench. Obviously, a world champion again, and uh, best lifter in the Masters, I believe. Yes, he did. Yeah, he got best lifter in the Masters, as you said. He hit that big. He hit a world record in the squat too for his weight class, and then he took the bench. And then, of course, the Algerian took the bench back later in the week uh, in the open. But I know Jason was really excited to hit that bench because it's something he's been chasing for quite a while. He's been saying in his Instagram, like, that's the, I'm coming for that bench record. I'm coming yeah. for it. I'm glad. I mean, he's a nice guy. He works hard, a really yeah. hard worker. And uh, and now he's a world champion. Um, I think that's pretty much what the uh, – we had a good battle in 93s for the, for the Masters. Um, Gabriel Garcia took it, but we had Canadians, Brendan Summers, and Jeff Butt with the silver bronze, and that was a pretty good battle. David Ricks actually – um, commentated for the for that one. Um, yep, I yep. thought it was it was good to have the ninety three kilo king like David Ricks in there for the commentary. Yeah, for sure. And beyond and I guess, that, I think everything was uh, no major surprises. No, no major surprises. Um, Eddie Berglund in the juniors was also pretty exciting. Oh yeah, um, sixty six kilos benching two hundred five and a half. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Which is mind boggling, and he's done two eleven. Yeah, it's mind-boggling, and so he had a junior world record, you know, 673 kilos, and obviously that total would have been, put him right there in the mix. I mean, it wouldn't have been enough to beat Charles, but he'd have been in the conversation there if he'd have come into the, into the open. So um, these juniors, man, like I said, are just off the charts. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting because a lot of these guys who are juniors now are going to, you know, look, if, if, if they stick their foot into the deep end of the pool there, you know, into the open classes, um, some of these guys can come up and potentially win, you know, or, or, or represent themselves really well. So I think it's exciting. Yeah, especially uh, when you start looking at some juniors that are out totaling the open. Like oh. Rondell Hunt. You know, I mean, Tom Keene, who actually won the World Championships in Masters 74, was um, my co-commentator for Rondell Hunt. And we were like, where did this guy come from? And this dude yeah. is like just having, like he could go in the open and be an open world champion right now, but he right chose now. not to. Passes up cookies on world records for squat. Like, who is this guy and what's his deal? But um, yeah, I'm, 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 you know what, I'm actually going to message him after this and be like, dude, please come into the open. And, and, and also, please take your chips. When, when they're available, because that five and a half kilo, you know, when it's a battle. Right. I think we need you guys to step over there and handle them for the day, and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. But, um, so. but yeah, it's a pretty good world championship, sir, and thank you for coming on the podcast, as thank always. Thank you for having me. Love I to have you it. back again. Uh, what's the next one on the IPF calendar? What's the next big meet? The next big meet, I'm trying to think. Uh, do we have some bench meets coming up? No, we've already right. done the bench meets. Yeah, I guess uh, the equipped world championships, they're not until November. So, I mean, um, that's later in the year. But I know some of our lifters are starting to prepare for that, just, you know. Um, but uh, I would say the U.S. – well, for sure, let's have you back 
for the uh, U.S. Raw Nationals preview show. But let's have you back yeah. for that, too. Yeah, I would, I would love to do it. I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely, sir. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, we said roughly an hour. We're like at an hour even. So okay. perfect. And, um, yeah, until next time, my friend. Cool, man. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. No problem. Talk to you later. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, the IPF. So we're, we did the men's uh, recap. We're going to do the women's tomorrow. I think I'm going to get uh, Matt Goldsmith, who was doing a lot of co-commentary with me for throughout the World Championships. But, yeah, really shocking some of these juniors, especially Rondell Hunt. As good as the Battle of the 105s was in the Open, the fact that a junior 105er actually out-totaled him is shocking. Um, and he's got to come into the Open. And when he does, God... Who knows what he's going to put up there. But anyways, I uh, hope you guys liked it, and we'll see you next time.